0: Hello all, and old Evelyn and young James are here, back on our Saturday morning time slot, here with the great man as he does his morning tea. How are you, Ev?
1: Well, I'm still breathing, mate. I mean, when I wake up every morning, if I'm still breathing, that's got to be a positive sign, isn't it, when you're, when you're 92 years old? You know, you've got to be positive.
0: No, it's, it's a win, it's a win, and it means our listeners get to hear more from you, so, you know. No, i sure, but
1: also congratulations, James, on being admitted uh, formally as a solicitor in New South Wales this week, and so, uh, you know, you can now, uh, when I get into legal trouble, you can now look after me, can't
0: you? <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> look, it's, it would be an honour. Um, I'm sure you'd probably aim for a, a more experienced lawyer in your corner, but it, it No, be...
1: no, 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 we'll go down together, James. Now, look, there's a few important things to discuss today, but I think we'll start with uh, uh, with domestic violence. Uh, it hit the headlines, well, it's been hitting the headlines for a while, but it, there was a particular emphasis on it in the last week or so when, among the things that the retiring Queensland Police Commissioner was accused of, uh, was that she'd been soft on domestic violence. So I, I feel a bit of sympathy with her that she was accused of that because One of the problems with domestic violence, and I've got relatives, a policeman, just because you hear a policeman walking by and he hears a noise in a house doesn't give him the right to go in and say, is anybody here committing domestic violence? Someone has to report it. And in many cases, women don't report it. And so uh, I think police are being a bit unjustly done there. But look, just a little, in, in my suburb of Aspley, in Brisbane, my church, the Uniting United Churches, we've discussed before on this program. We got our community service arm called acts, and we give direct cash grants to people. And just since January the first, we've given four grants of a thousand dollars to women in our suburb who got bashed up, and we gave them money. Uh, we went, we we got a way of finding them out. And people can tell us, and and we gave them a thousand dollars each, so they could put a bit of geography between them and their husbands, and then this week we gave another $2,000 to a woman who gets around looking after domestic violence victims on the north side, and she tells some horror stories, I mean, of one domestic violence victim, she escaped with the two children from a violent husband, Uh, they live in a car, and the kids go to school from a car and come home to the car. And she ran out of money, so she prostituted herself to get some money to get the kids, keep the kids. And, of course, when you do that, you get into bad company and one lot of blokes gang raped her and uh, bashed out all the teeth and the most brutal thing and then left her there and the police haven't found them uh, in a why we don't know. But that's the sort of violence that's going on in society and we really can't have an Australian society that does that, can we?
0: No, and it's... It's a problem that I honestly don't know the answer to, and I don't know the answer to it for several reasons. Uh, the first is that um, the police are sort of, and, you know, I'm, I'm one to always criticise the police, but I don't think this is particularly the police's fault. Like, police are ill-equipped to fix domestic violence because police show up to a crime scene after the fact. Um, so police with a domestic violence style scene, because domestic violence happens within the home. Um, will only ever show up when a complaint is made. And the complaint is only often really made after the abuse has occurred, after the fact, after a crime has already been committed. So there's no real scope for police to stop domestic violence before it starts. The next problem is, I don't think really our court system is very good at addressing it either. Because if you've got a husband who is violent towards his wife, she complains, charges are laid. The prosecution does succeed and he goes to jail six months. When he comes out of jail, um, there is a small likelihood he's going to turn around and realize, oh, wow, that was horrible what I did. I never want to do that again. There's a much larger likelihood that this person who already had a capacity for violence has now just spent six months mixing with other violent people in prison and will come out angrier, more spiteful and more prone to using violence as a conflict resolution system in a domestic setting. So our current system as it's equipped is really um, ham fisted at addressing domestic violence issues at the root and at the cause. And really it's, it's reactive and I, I don't think our current system really does anything to solve it. So it's great that groups like acts are stepping up to fill the hole because um, the traditional courts and cop system, I think, really doesn't work.
1: Well, that worries me. We're only a tiny show of volunteers. We don't have any full-time people to better get around. These are people in the suburb tell us about these things and, you know, when we follow them up. And and I think we're only dealing with the tip of the iceberg. And and all around Australia, it seemed to be uh, growing. One of the problems is that a couple of the ones we did, we helped. There was actually a restraining order on the husband, you know, but we wife goes and gets a restraining order. These blokes just break the restraining order and no police turn up and say you've broken the restraining order. There, there seems to be a problem that a restraining order is a bit of paper that means nothing and how do we make a restraining order more lethal?
0: Well, you're 110% right and it suffers from all the same problems as as, as what I just talked about before, like, you know, short of putting ankle monitors on every victim who has a restraining order in their favour and every person who the restraining order is against so the cops know where they both are at all times, which is like, you know, horror, police state, dystopian movie stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't enforce them proactively. um, And they, they can't really be used in, in any, you know, sensible way. In, in marginal cases, there are some people who, will realize, you know, they'll get the restraining order and they realize, like, ah, oh, shit, no, I need to follow this, I've, I've done something wrong. But in a lot of cases, like, if someone is seriously violent and they want to commit serious violence offenses, they will do so regardless of if there's a piece of paper saying they can't or not. Um. So, yeah, it, it's not that the system as it stands now, like like you've sort of pointed out, is, is poorly adapted to address um, domestic violence issues and, we saw, like we've seen this week in in New South Wales um, two um, familial homicides. the first was a, well alleged homicides I should say. The first was a um, alleged strangling of a mother and son followed by a stabbing of their husband by um, someone known to them in uh, in uh, North Parramatta and Walkham Hills. and the second was the alleged murder of um, two gay men from pranella um, by a fellow, a gay man and police officer in what was said to be a um, domestic violence setting. So um, obviously, you know, we have this stereotypical idea of domestic violence being a man on woman. But we have to remember, like that this week is put in perspective in New South Wales, at least, you know, there's domestic violence in the gay community and there's domestic violence in every community. And, and our current systems do not do enough to address it.
1: And, of course, domestic violence, too, is uh, not, not much different to violence generally. we we got a violent society. I think Australian society is disintegrating in the way You know, it works. You take the, 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 the person in Ballarat, the woman in Ballarat who went running and she's been missing for 10 days now. I think most people in Australia now believe she's been killed and cut off into the bush. And so when you have a society where a woman can't go for the morning run all by herself, uh, and that's bad. Now, what will happen now, I, I think that any woman going running in the morning should be accompanied by somebody else, at least, at least another female, better still a bloke who might be able to defend her. But, you know, but the point is it's bad that we've got a society where a woman can't go for a run without somebody going to attack her, is it?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, d- depending on where you're going, at, at night like you know it's it's difficult it's just difficult being a woman alone in public like you you feel unsafe on the train walking around home at night and uh, walking to home at night rather um sort of at, at, at clubs um and another big thing that's emerged is like this whole idea of revenge porn and it's been one of the worst um advents of the digital age where people will um there's a breakup, and this is one of those offences again where the bulk of it is committed by men against women. Not all of it, but statistically the bulk of it is. Um, there's a breakup between boyfriend and girlfriend. The boyfriend will have intimate images of the girlfriend saved on his phone or videos or videos of them having sex or something like that. And then he will post them online or share them with his friends after the breakup to take revenge on his now ex-girlfriend for the breakup. Um, it's 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 a not it's not a very good society right now to be a woman. I mean, look at what's happening in America. You know, with with regular attacks on birth control, women's reproductive rights, etc., over yeah. the past two years by the Republican Party and much longer. So there there are elements in society still today that that prevent substantive equality between genders um in a very real way. Yeah, well.
1: I think that domestic violence is an issue that we've got to upgrade not just the police response but the public response and in our suburb, be aware that if the woman next door is obviously being knocked around, we do something about it and don't walk on the other side of the road and say we didn't hear. And so I think domestic violence is indicative Of A decline in Australian society is one of the areas, you know, we need to go on with. let's move on, James, to the Dunkley by-election now. As you know, it's because a very good Labor Party member died and there's an election, and it's a seat that I think Labor should hold and I think they will hold. But a mob called Advanced Australia are putting a hell of a lot of money and effort and... And uh, internet skills and whatever into trying to 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 win the, the the seat for the you know for the liberals now you can say on one hand that that's part of democracy but this is the same mob who poured thousands upon thousands of dollars into the no campaign for voice I mean this mob are the Trump show of Australia. And and they are they're very skilled in the way they go about it. They're, these aren't amateur blokes just throwing political bombs. They're running very skillful campaigns. And so the whole issue of whether an outside body that's not actually running a candidate, they're not there's no advanced Australia candidate, they're just an outside lobby group influencing the election. That just doesn't smell right to me in a good democracy.
0: How do you see it, James? I completely agree. And let's not forget, Advanced Australia are bankrolled by your friends, the American Christian right. Um, (laughs) So one of their first forays in recent history into Australian politics was those ads during the 2022 federal election showing Xi Jinping casting a ballot for Albo. Um, And they've since really ratcheted up. Like you say, they were huge thunders of the no campaign and they were spreading some of the more vile no campaign stories as well. So they weren't tailoring their ads to sort of people who were a little bit politically switched off and didn't understand voice. They were tailoring their ads to, you know, really create racial divisions in this country and suggest that voice would give Aboriginals the right to kick you off your land and that sort of thing. Um, and now they're sort of foraying into this election with big photos of Albo captioned, you know, Albo has released 170 pedophiles, murderers, and child molesters into the community, um, which is not true, to be abundantly clear. It's a reference to the High Court decision last year. It's news to me that apparently Albo controls the High Court. Um, I didn't know that. And I've, you know, I've just studied <laughs> a five year law degree. So what do I know? But, um, <laughs> uh a little more than yeah. them i'd say but yeah no it's it's just it's blatant political misinformation and it's misinformation engineered to create division hate and fear in our society and like you say it's it's trump style politics and it's everything we want to kick out of this country so well, well do
1: you think that labor can hold uh let's not take political side i mean uh governments have lost by-elections before, and traditionally governments do do lose by-elections because it's a way for the public to give them a kick in the backside between the main elections. But I get the general feeling that a majority of people in the community uh, will not vote according to uh, what Advanced Australia tells them. How, How do you read it?
0: Yeah, well, I I hope that's right. I mean, we've talked about before how the media is all too well, all too keen to carry the water for Peter Dutton and sort of run his lies and fear campaigns and help spread them. But nevertheless, you would hope a bit of common sense prevails and you would hope sort of the unelectability and shambles that is the modern Liberal Party um, doesn't get uh, a win on the scoreboard here uh, against the Albanese government, which I think in the past couple of months, sort of since the turn of the calendar year, has been a lot more proactive and doing great things like the right to disconnect legislation, um, the changes to the tax cuts, uh, calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire, along with the governments of Canada and New Zealand um, in, in Palestine. So they've, they've, ta- they've taken some big swings since the start of the year, much more ambitious than last year.
1: Well, it, 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 I think it's about the first of March of my elections. So we'll I would say now... Two years are up since Putin invaded Ukraine. In fact, 10 years are up now since he invaded Crimea and took it uh, illegally. It was part of uh, Ukraine. And so it looks as if the Ukraine war effort at this moment is crumbling. Uh, They lost a decisive battle to Russia this week. Now, that might have just been an anomaly. But I have the feeling that Russia is throwing all its military might into it at the moment. Because they know that America and the United States has ceased its military aid to Ukraine, and they want to capitalize on it—not just to beat Ukraine, but to show up the United States as being gutless in the whole thing. You know which they are at the, at, at the moment. And morale in Ukraine is apparently dying I've been reading a few opinion pieces by respected journalists, and Zelensky is having great trouble keeping the Ukraine people fighting because they've had two years of hell where well, every night there's rockets coming at where they live and whatever, you, and, and lots of young Ukrainians are dying. And keeping the morale of the nation is a pretty tough job. And it looks as if it's fading. Now, what do you think is going to happen in year three? What's your prediction, James?
0: Well, I mean, I suppose not, not to be the well-actually guy, but it's, it's not... America who's withdrawing funding, it's specifically the Republican Party in Congress who is preventing USAID from going to Ukraine because the Democrats want it, the Senate Republicans even have voted for it, but it's just the Republicans in Congress who are holding Ukraine aid up, noting that they have a very slim congressional majority, the Republican Party, um, and it's it's really, really sad that they are trying to hold Ukraine aid up to Make Russia stronger to try to help Russia help the Republicans win the twenty twenty four election, uh, in in the U S. and it's it's a great shame because like America has done a lot for Ukraine and a lot of countries have done a lot for Ukraine and it, look America wants to Biden and and the Democrats and again even the Senate Republicans want to continue helping Ukraine and and it's such a shame to see the congressional Republicans who are a bit more wacky and pro-Trump than their senate counterparts um basically using Ukraine as an issue to try to help get Trump elected um I worry if Trump gets elected what will happen to Ukraine because Trump has said he came out and said he'll let he'll let you know Putin do whatever he wants to European countries um were were he to get elected so um there's a Russian what he
1: specifically said was Trump now Forgive me for defending Trump. I hate to defend Trump. But what he said was he was talking in relation to those members of NATO who aren't paying their subscription to NATO. They're not paying their, they're behind and lagging. What he said was that any nation that hasn't paid its annual dues to NATO, he's going to let Russia take them out. Well, that's just about half of them, they tell me, that haven't paid their their dues. But that's what he spoke
0: about. The, the thing is, NATO isn't a mercenary alliance, it's a military alliance, which means yeah. you know it comes with certain obligations and you defend countries in an alliance regardless of whether they pay you or not. That's how an alliance yeah. is meant to work. But it's, um, I, I am really worried for what's happening in Ukraine, and we're not seeing it on the news as much either. So I think it's led well, to, it Gaza. General- yeah, Gaza okay. is taking the
1: headline, and again, the United States is sitting on the fence, and I believe all the way through the Ukraine war too, they've been sitting on the fence just giving enough support to keep them going, but to make sure that not too much so that Putin doesn't fire a nuclear rocket at them. And they're sitting on the fence in Gaza again. I think Joe Biden has sat on the fence in both of these wars, and at the moment all the publicity is Gaza's way, which it ought to be, because what's happening there. It makes me ill just to look at the results. But uh, uh, one way or another, America has the military might to stop both those wars tomorrow, haven't
0: they? I mean, I I wouldn't say they have the military might to stop the war in Ukraine tomorrow because we've got nuclear powers there. I think um, the problem with what's happening in Gaza right now is I think behind closed doors. Like, it's coming out that America is becoming, over the course of the war, America has become more and more forceful, telling Israel to stop. But, you know, as we've pointed out, um, Netanyahu is a, a right-wing dictator whose regime is propped up by the blood of dead Gazans, Palestinians. And no matter how hard other countries have been trying to get Netanyahu to stop, he outright refuses to. Um, So we're seeing a time where I think, rather than the... The US being accused of sitting on the fence, I think more countries are thumbing their nose at international law. Um, heck, we've done it for years with our asylum seeker policies and our offshore detentions. So we're hardly, you know, it, it's not like Russia and Israel are the only countries who thumb their nose at international law. The Americans do it too, for the war crimes they committed in Afghanistan. Um, but we're seeing now countries around the world being more emboldened to um, to break those international norms.
1: Well, sad situation. Well, it's the time's running on, James. We better get on to good and bad guys of the week now. I've belted Joe Biden twice in this program so far. I'm going to say something good about Joe Biden. And now this week, he forgave a few billion dollars of uh, of uh, student debt. You know, in America, they've had student debt a lot longer than we have in Australia, and and he's forgiven a hell of a lot of debt to give young people a, a greater chance to get established in life. and So I cheered him on the internet for, for, for doing that and asked the question as to why Australia still has a hex program where young kids are penalised because they want to study. They're penalised. Gough Whitlam gave them all a free education. They scream at Gough, but Gough gave them free universities. Only when Malcolm Fraser got in that they ceased that. And and so I would I cheer Biden and I wish Australia would would curb it, at least putting indexing it for inflation and, and interest and and all the silly ways they run it. Uh, I think hex here in Australia is just a plain disgrace. Now now well,
0: what do you think, Jane? It it should be worth mentioning that Biden has forgiven like over the course of his presidency $130 billion of student debt. He tried to forgive heaps more, and the Supreme Court said no, the Republican Supreme Court. Um, But he came back and found a way around it that the Supreme Court couldn't stop, and he's now forgiven literally over $100 billion of debt. So it's a real good thing he's doing, and it's something I don't think he's got enough credit for. I think the great irony of Hex here is that most, especially conservative politicians, who want to further privatise uni loans or keep Hex the way it is, themselves got free university education, so I think like like Tony Abbott, for example, um, went yeah. to uni under, under the Whitlam era of free education um, and so many others in the Liberal Party. Dan T and I think is another one who was the Minister for Education when the Liberal Party during Morrison made a lot of degrees more expensive, was another beneficiary of the Whitlam era of free education. So we're seeing all, all the almost all the prominent opponents of making the university debt system fairer were people who themselves receive free education, which is a a great idea. Well, it's a bit sad. So I I, I
1: hope we can, uh, on this program, James, we'll keep terrorizing the whole
0: issue of hex
1: here in Australia. Uh, Now, who's your good guys of the week?
0: Uh, My good guys of the week are all the Swifties who braved the elements last night uh, to come and see Taylor Swift in Sydney. Um, I was going in and out of the city last night and I saw how packed out it was at Lidcombe Station. There was a big storm last night. I think the concert had to be paused for about a half hour. Um, but it was it was great to see so many people, so many happy people uh, descending. Did the they light all light. get wet
1: and, and Taylor yeah. Swift
0: get wet? Ah, well, I mean, I, I don't know, but she's a super trooper. Um, you know, she's been through a bunch of terrible boyfriends who've been horrible to her. Um, and she's made some great music out of it. So a little rain wouldn't stop Taylor. I can say that confidently. But again, you know, it's... It's a nice story seeing how many smiles she's bringing to so many people around the country. Um,
1: oh, it, it's a it's a phenomenon that I, I I can't recall. I have nothing like it. You've got to go all the way back to the Beatles. Uh, you know when they first came to Australia, we thought Beatlemania was done. But the stir the Beatles caused when they came to Australia nothing like Taylor Swift. And uh, and she's a professional in all sorts of and, and, and a person of great talent and great commitment and. But it's good that something good can happen to us in life. When we turn on the news at night time, you can go through the whole news program. It doesn't matter whether it's the commercial channels, or SBS or ABC. If you get one good story in a half an hour of absolute misery, uh, you know, it's awful. I've got to go off and have a good sip of scotch to calm yourself down after watching all three to keep up with the news. And so it's good when someone like Taylor Swift Puts a bit of joy in people's lives, is not
0: it? No, a hundred and ten percent right. And um, after we talk about someone who brings joy to people's lives, let's turn to our bad guys for the weekend. Who's your, uh, who's your bad? Well, so bad guy? guys. The
1: the Alabama Supreme Court, which has ruled that an embryo is is, is in fact a, a baby, and if an, an embryo is used and it doesn't produce a baby in in an IVF clinic, well, that's murder. And, and I've never heard a more Stupid, brutal, ins- insane, insane law uh, that's passed. by the, And now every IVF clinic in Alabama has been closed down. Some young people have spent thousands of dollars on their way to an IVF thing, and they're now stopped in, 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 in midstream. And any doctor who uses an embryo that doesn't produce a child has committed murder. And, and and I don't believe you can get any more primitive than that, that a Supreme Court ruled that way. And I noticed that Nikki Haley, who, who, loony as she is, is still better than Trump, she came out and agreed with the Supreme Court. I think she was wanting to get all that loony vote in the in in, in the Carolina primaries. But I, I, I think the Alabama passed one of the most Stupid laws I have seen in my
0: life. Yeah, I mean, Alabama, you know, one of the most draconian states in the union, um, a state that would still probably have slavery if they could, um, a, a state that is renowned for trying to dilute the votes of black voters and a state that is renowned for trying to control the bodies of women. Um, it's it's a truly all around horrible thing. Like you say, ruling embryos of people, which stops IVF, Noted conservative Christian Mike Pence, um, evangelical, got his son through IDF, uh, IVF, for example. Um, and it's just, uh, again, it's another another strike against women's rights and women's autonomy by the all-male, well, mostly male Christian right power lobby in the US. Well, it's a bad show. Well, well who are you a bad guy, James? Uh, my bad guy of the week is someone we haven't heard from for a while and someone who I frankly thought we'd never hear from again. Uh, Liz Truss, who lasted 50 yeah. days as as UK Prime Minister, has published her 50 book. 50 days too long, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she's published a book, 10 Years to Save the West. Um, she's yeah. talked about in her book launch how the um all the transgender woke minorities in the public service were working to undermine her government and that's why she presided over a um, terrible economic turmoil never turmoil never seen before um, but I just I can't imagine who would want to listen to someone who could the, the shortest ever serving UK Prime Minister whose term was cut short because she was just so woeful at the job her, her blueprint for how to save the West in ten years. I, I'm confused as to what the West needs saving from, aside from malevolent right wing forces within itself. Um, again, color me, color me surprised. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, just, just an all round, uh, grift, an all round grift uh, to cut off. Well, mate, I saw that
1: yesterday on Twitter. She put out on her Twitter man. A, a thing about a book with a thing you could click on to get the book and so I didn't click on to get the book but I relayed it on to my Twitter fan not that I wanted to buy but I just said well uh, he. I don't think I'll buy this book because Liz Truss is saying that it's going to take 10 years to save the world from the 50 days of wrecking that she did uh, she's got a book now saying it's going to take 10 years to you know to fix it and I think I'll I'll past, but you know, then I looked at her Twitter account. Have a guess how many followers she's got on Twitter, man. Uh Six hundred
0: and seventy thousand. Yeah. Six
1: hundred and seventy thousand. Now, what does that tell us about the state of the world?
0: It 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 tells me that ever since Elon Musk took over Twitter, there are a lot of fake bot accounts that are going around propping up uh, <laughs> conservative accounts that's oh, that's shocking man. that's oh.
1: anyway anyway she it would be interesting to see how a book goes i've read a book about her for the prime minister not written by her written by a journalist uh, from the financial Times, which painted a devastating picture of what she did but she still to this day believes this rightly today you know, she still believes that all these wokes were undermining her and and that the wokes are the problem of the world. Well, I'm a woke and I'm proud to be a woke and I'll always be a woke because a woke, if you look up the Oxford Dictionary, a woke is a well-read, well-educated person who has a deep sense of justice. Well, I'm happy to put my hand up for that. Uh, I'm not well-educated, I haven't got a university degree, but I've spent a lifelong learning curve. And so when people call me a a, a woke, I I think that's an enormous honour
0: yeah, no, I'm 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 proud to be woke, and on the old Everett and Young James podcast, we endorse we endorse woke culture and encourage all our followers to stay woke. Um, yeah.
1: Anyway, James, it's been a tumultuous week, and we've covered some good projects. And uh, next week, yeah, uh, I'm sure some uh, some uh, things. I think things are going to happen in Ukraine and Gaza this week, one way or another. I think moves, uh, serious moves, are going to be made there, doing both. So we we can analyze that. Uh, uh, you know how it's going, but it's good to talk to you. And you have a good week, and we'll be at it again next week,
0: James. Yep, have a great week, Have A pleasure and a privilege to chat as always. Thanks for listening, everyone, and hope you've enjoyed. See you next and week. Bye for now. Bye.